lbc.co.uk now. Morning team, yes, it's gone again. You know, I've, for the second time this year, although the voice is a lot better than it was when I woke up this morning, where I thought, I thought I sounded like a different person. I was going to start doing voiceovers. And so it was in the Amazon that things took a turn for the worse. And I thought I'd do that, and then I thought, no, 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 it's ridiculous. So I've taken my throat spray, and I've taken my tablets, and I've had my hot tea, and I feel, I feel fine, absolutely fine. It's just, it's this silly, and I've got such a busy week. It's always the way, isn't it? You've got a busy week. Anthony's back from his holidays, texting me from Faro Airport. <laughs> As if he was at home, he never went anywhere, little sun lamp at home, come back, bit of a tan, you know. It's all fake, you know, it's not true. As you'll discover on the 4th. LBC 97.3. So anyway, it's <laughs> all been going on since you've not been here, let me tell you. It's a you have a nice time? You're not very bronzed, are you? Oh, you, oh, right. Do you not sunbathe at all? Like oh, right. You never went away, did you? You just sat at home. <laughs> He's a bit Audrey Forbes Hamilton. He sat at home under a sunbed learning another language. <laughs> yes, I'm in Faro. <laughs> yeah, right. Did you, did you not do anything? No. Oh, right. 48 euros for four hamburgers. Oh, that's a ludicrous. Wait a minute. For, for four hamburgers? Mm. You go, Paris? That was bad. I tell you, we went to, when we went to Paris, John Warrington and my bank manager, Eleanor, and me, and we found it difficult to find anything, a cup of coffee under five pounds. It's just ludicrous. The French just rip you off. Never go away, ever again. No, well, to be honest, if you are, take your own hamburgers. Because to be honest with you, that is a stu- 48 pounds. Euros. Euro, well, 48 quid, isn't it, about? A bit more? Yeah, about, yeah, about 40 quid. For four hamburgers? Yeah. God, you've got an appetite, haven't you, honestly? How did you eat four hamburgers? <laughs> You're just so rich. So anyway, so it's sold out, so you don't need to to worry about I'm it. I'm not worried. No, exactly. You go away on holiday, come back, and it's all done. I seriously thought by yesterday, I thought, Anthony will mention it tonight because we just had the last couple of rows to do. And then, lo and behold... Didn't need to. Didn't need to. So there you go. So you've just got to press your suit now. But the stage there is on the same level. When you're at the front of the stage, it's on the same level as the people. Nothing to sit on. Nothing to sit on. We've arranged chairs, but they cost money. I think we might take our own. <laughs> nice to see you, though. Have a nice day. Thank you. Bless you and you. Ta-da. Sleep well. Bye. There he goes. He's very kind. He left me a strepsil. It's good. You know, in this... I, I kept thinking, actually, when I woke up this morning, because uh, I'm, I'm sort of thinking, you know, when you get a cold... And I, I haven't got a cold. I've had this sort of lingering kind of thing. I've not... Sn- I've sneezed a couple of times, but it's not that, that special. We all sneeze. <clears throat> and um, and the voice started going the other day, and I thought, oh, God, here we go. Because in this business, you kind of stand and fall on, on your... If you haven't got any voice, you're not earning any money. And I was talking to my driver this morning, Ali, or Mohammed, makes no difference, and he was, he was saying about... Because the last time he had this thing, I gave him my Benelin Day and Night tablets, and it cured him, and Jess exactly the same. And I come in this morning, and it's actually my voice is a lot better. I know it sounds bizarre. It's a lot better than it was yesterday, where I phoned up my bank manager to say, we've just got to transfer some money. And she could barely hear me. She said, I tell you what, save your voice, call me tomorrow. I said, I don't know what sort of state I'll be in tomorrow. So I've got this new, I've tried chloroseptic before, this, the throat spray. Now I'm on Diflam. I suppose it's sort of short for deflamination. Anyway, we've got that. So that's good, isn't it? Anyway, trust you had a good weekend. Did you go to the uh, Heroes concert last night? 60,000 people. So it wasn't full, but uh, it was certainly a good crowd. Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams is very odd, isn't it? I don't get what anybody says about Robbie Williams. He just looks odd to me. He just looks uncomfortable, whatever he does. He looks like that nerdy bloke from, from Stoke-on-Trent. And then some of the papers today are sort of trying to... Well, one of them is actually trying to make out that there's a romance between... Where is it? I've lost it. Oh, I've lost it. 
That's true. I must have left it upstairs, actually. If everyone wanted me break downstairs. I've left my Daily Star upstairs. Doesn't matter. I could live without it. But they were trying to make out that Preston and Chantel are on again. And I thought, oh, dear. Trying to convince us there's another relationship, whereas I, I never thought there was a relationship anyway. I just thought it was some shallow way of Preston to try and make some money. Silly man. Can't bear him. They said he's grown up a bit now, not judging by what I saw in the Big Brother house. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so that one is, uh, is all finished. Uh, there's no more Big Brother. Thank goodness. Uh, unfortunately, the bad news today is it's Monday. The second bit of bad news is you've got to go to work. And the third bit of bad news is I'm still going to sound like this at the end of the programme. But I've got so much to do this week, I can't afford to lose my voice. It's got to come back again. So I shall have a little spray of me, little... Uh... I'm sure it doesn't do you any good, this thing. You just... Well, it doesn't taste of anything, really. It sort of tastes a bit antiseptic. But the writing is so blooming small... I don't know how you're supposed to read these things. I mean, you know, if you were sort of an elderly person, which I am, wait a minute, when does it expire? So you can obviously keep it for ages. It doesn't expire to the year 2012. So let's hope I don't get another one before then. Because every time I get a cough or a cold, I go straight to the chemist. I say, Mr Shah, right, what have we got? And I end up with a bag. I walk out with a bag of things. Because you think, one of them's got to work. But the truth of what a chuck could open pharmacy? The amount of stuff I've got in my bathroom. But... Isn't it funny? Out of all the things that you've got for colds, none of it works. Absolutely none of it works. Because there is no cure for the common cold, because it's a virus. And they even closed down the government's common cold research unit. Right, pain in the rear end, isn't it? Not very exciting. But the, but the best thing, Christmas films and sleep, says Jess. So, Christmas films. And I was trying to think my best Christmas film. I do quite like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. That's actually good for... Uh, have you never seen it? It's really good, actually. It's, it's, it's quite funny. A lot of people coming over for Christmas, and they, he wants to do it all properly. And like all the Americans, he wants to illuminate the house. And then I said I remembered The Shop Around the Corner, which is an old Jewish story from years ago. And it's, I think it's Mr. Manachek who owns The Shop Around the Corner. And what they do, it's, it's, a, it's a posh gift shop in somewhere. I can't remember where it is in America, but it snows, and it's, it's really lovely. And it's a sort of a love story and the story of working in the shop and, uh, and the sort of shop which... You know, I've worked in before where you go and people come in, they go, I'm looking for something unusual. And you go, what do you know? Have you, have you tried this? They go, what is it? I go, it's a stuffed cat. And, uh, you know, you sort of, you come up with anything. And, and people like buying gifts for Christmas. As opposed to going in the game, right, we need hankies. Okay, hankies, you've got the initial F on, thank you. I have three of those. And, and people go, and now it's, I just buy chocolates and champagne for people and candles. It's easier because it's the gift that just gives for a short while. So you get a nice candle, bottle of champagne and a piece of chocolate. What more do you want, really, on Christmas? Well, sex would be nice, but, I mean, there's no point in pushing it. We're not going to put that in an envelope. So, and, um, <clears throat> sorry, I, I was sort of going through the bathroom this morning thinking, trying to remember back from the last time I had a cold and started losing my voice, and started thinking, right, let's try rescuing all this stuff. I couldn't find any of it. So I've got to go out today and buy it all over again. But no doubt, with uh, Jess's help and cups of hot coffee and stuff like that, it'll, it'll sort of ease it. I think a little bit. But I'd love to hear what your Christmas... You know, we do, we do Christmas quite early on this programme. I thought we'd start today. And um, your Christmas film recommendations, because I've got loads, but off the top of my head, at this precise moment, I can't remember any of them, apart from the shop around the corner, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and... Um, what was the other one? Elf. Jess likes... She likes Elf, which is quite good. Is that Dudley Moore in Elf, or is that... Oh, Will Farrell, that's right. Uh, which one was Dudley Moore in... He was in, no, no, Tootsie, no. He was in something about where he played, he played, I think he was an elf kind of thing. 
with Santa's helper or one of them. Um, it's something like that. But then there was another one which came out which was called Mrs. Claus. That had Jessica... I can't remember her name now. Uh, Mrs. Claw, that was quite a good uh, Christmas. I like any of these Christmas. If it's got snow in it, I'm quite happy. I'll sit there forever going, oh, snow in a red hat and happy faces and a, and a log fire in the corner. I might start it in here this morning, actually, just to add interest to it. What if Dave Berry's back from his holiday? He's been away for, seems like ages. Anthony's only just come back. Dave Berry's off down the corridor. I bumped into Johnny Vaughan the other day. Because he was backwards and forth, like a yo-yo the other day. He had his daughter in and then backwards and forwards. Jamie Thiegson I haven't seen for ages. <coughs> and I, excuse me, I see the lady in, uh, in Classic FM occasionally in the mornings. That's only occasionally if my eyes are open wide enough. Uh, Barbara Windsor's in the papers today. Uh, said she's... Uh, the trouble is that she's, she's talking about the BBC and saying that the bosses uh, made her feel dishonest because she was not allowed to tell her co-stars she was leaving. They don't like it, do they, at the BBC or anywhere else? They don't like people to go around saying, I'm leaving. You know, you sort of, you devote a life to something. And she said, I handed in my notice. I went through enormous stress, as I wasn't allowed to tell my friends. I wanted it out there. Huge weight to carry, and I'd come home crying, because I felt so dishonest. I know you'd think in this day and age, it, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make, make any difference to any of these companies, but it does. Uh, also, the papers today... Wayne and Colleen. Apparently, she's uh, she's going to forgive him, which is what I said she would. I've, I'm never wrong on these things. Of course, she is better. To, I mean, she she knows exactly what he's like. You don't think this is the first time, do you? No, this is the fourth time now. And uh, you know, as now as stupid as women, because you know, forgiving him, what she should have done is gone up to him, taken those little tiny spherical objects between his legs, and squeezed them very hard, and gone. Now get out. Unfortunately. Uh, most people in these situations, most footballers' wives and wags, forgive their husbands because they've obviously got used to the lifestyle. And let's face it, who else could she go out with? You don't exactly hear anybody clamouring to go out with uh, Colleen, I'm afraid. She's always been a bit naff. You know, they do her up for the television, but uh, no sense of fashion or anything like that. They just try and pretend. They kind of make it up for the glossy magazines because it appeals to that kind of uh, market. Uh, the two prostitutes in, uh, in this story have both... <coughs> excuse me, recorded little videos. Uh, one of them saying, you know, in a deep Manchester accent, um, you know, very sorry to have upset uh, Colleen and all the rest of it. Wish you well for the future. I'm thinking, as I said yesterday, wouldn't it make perfect sense for one of these old brasses, or both of them, to say, look, we've earned 50 grand out of this each. We're going to give it to a charity which uh, deals with abused women. Or failing that, give it to the hospice where Colleen's sister is. You know, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Of course, they bloody well won't. Far too tight for that. Yet they both come from very good families. You'd think if they really, really wanted to exonerate themselves, but they haven't. They're still old brasses. Unfortunately, what the thing is now is they've got to try and find a job because they're just going to be forever known as those two old brasses, and that's it. Mind you, the other day we had the other problem, didn't we, with Ricky Hatton, who's going to check into the Priory this week. He says, I need to sort myself out and... Um, he admitted being hooked on a Class A drug. He said, I've been an idiot and I'm so sorry and ashamed I need to sort myself out. Oh, you know, I couldn't care less what these people want to do. They all do it. Well, why should we assume that Ricky Hatton yes. is, uh, is any different from any other buffoon with a load of money? Who's got loads of money, very little intelligence, and so they think they're being really clever. Unfortunately, fat boy fat, because he is absolutely enormous now, uh, has now ad admitted that he's got a drug addiction. And in fact, <coughs> even the man who looks after him, which is Max Clifford, 
has said, look, he admits he's, he's got a problem, he's got to sort it out. And I, I agree with Max. I mean, the man's an idiot. You know, it's no big deal to take cocaine. You know, if you want to do it, I couldn't care. You could inject heroin, as far as I'm concerned. Got nothing to do with me. And it really hasn't got anything to do with the papers. If he wants to shove half of Columbia up his nose, that's fine. What I always remind people, it's... No, he's admitted it. He's admitted it now. He's admitted it in the paper. Even Barry McGuigan has said that th this could have happened to me as well. But he has said that he's, he's going to go to rehab. He said, I'm going into the Priory and, um, and I'm going to sort myself out. And Max, Max Clifford has said exactly the same. He said he, he will go and sort himself out. It's, it's an occupational hazard for people. Very little, you know, intelligence, loads of money and bored out their tinies. We had it from Joe Calzaki, didn't we, as well? Joe Calzaki talks about the cocaine that he's taken. He's in the current edition of Hello! magazine because his girlfriend, whose name I can't remember, is apparently dancing with Goldie. Oh, lovely. There's another man with a history of all sorts of things. But who's going to be first kicked out of Strictly Come Dancing? My hope is Anne Widdicombe, who has already had her first little tantrum. As far as I'm concerned, you go into a programme... And they go, we're going to pay you 30,000 quid, 50,000 quid, whatever. And you do what they tell you. Oh, no, not the tubby one. No, she's put a foot down. I will not wear any re anything revealing. I will not be doing anything uh, too strenuous. And I will not be putting on fake tan. Why don't you just go home now, dear? You seem to be a total waste of space to me. Quarter past five. <laughs> These are the headlines. Unions are threatening coordinated strikes as they draw up a campaign of protests against public spending cuts. The TUC's annual Congress opens in Manchester this morning. Detectives are investigating two shootings in South London over the weekend. A 23-year-old man was shot dead in a flat in West Norwood on Saturday, while a 20-year-old man's in a serious but stable condition after being shot in the street in Peckham yesterday afternoon. And Gary Barlow and Robbie Williams performed together live for the first time in 15 years last night at the Help for Heroes concert at Twickenham Stadium. And the pair, along with a host of other stars, sang to a crowd of 60,000 in aid of the charity, which supports members of the Armed Forces. Let's have a check on the roads for you this morning. It's Jay Lewis. This morning from 10, LBC 97.3. Oh, dear. Poor old Jess. She says, I, I don't want to see Anne Widdicombe in, uh, in anything revealing. I said, I do. She, I feel for her partner. I said, she hasn't got a partner. I wish she'd oh, Anton Dubeck. Oh, he'll toady up to any old woman. You know what he did? He, in fact, he's, his specialty is old women, where he can sort of oil himself around. Oh, vile. But as I say, there won't be any lifting going on, unless he wants to put his back out, because uh, Widdy has put on a ton of weight. And uh, there she is looking... I mean, it's a bit sad, really, isn't it, that a so-called once-great politician is resorted to dancing around like the Sugar Plum Fairy on a television programme purely for money and yet takes herself so seriously. And yet, you know, con is convinced she'll be the first one voted out. I will predict, as with all these things, they'll keep her in there because she'll be novelty value. You know, Bruno, Tolly, Tolly, Tolly... Anyway, him on the panel, he's sort of, you know, been oiling her up and all this... Not oiling her up physically, I mean, that would be something quite horrible. And, <laughs> and he's sort of said, oh, she's going to do this, she's going to do that. And I'm thinking, what's the point of her being on there? She's just taking the money. That's all it is. It's just a bit of an embarrassment. She's a, she's a bit John Sargent. Have you noticed all these people who take themselves terribly seriously are really sort of, you know, buffoons when it comes down to it. Christmas films I like, says Simon. Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you know, I hated that. I hated that film. I don't think, actually, I've ever hated a film. I didn't like that at all, Nightmare. I just didn't, I didn't like the animation. It's too weird, isn't it? It's freaky. I didn't like that. And Bridget Jones's Diary. Not really a Christmas film, is it? Yeah. A good laugh and a happy ending. 
happens at Christmas. You sure that's not love, actually? I don't Bridget Jones's diary. Oh, does it? I never saw Bridget Jones's diary. I just remember it was big pants. That's all I remember. I did watch last night. I was sort of just to sort of cheer myself up in between sort of sitting there thinking, make this stupid throat go away, Stephen. Even though you can sort of drop your voice about six octaves and sound a little bit like uh, Simon Templar or anybody like that. <clears throat> and I saw so I watched Mamma Mia. And I suddenly realised what a feel-good movie it is. It's definitely a girly movie because blokes wouldn't behave like this unless they were gay. And, uh, and girls can just sort of dance along piers and then, you know, Mamma Mia. And it was really good. In fact, I found up a friend to go with, it's really good, this film. And they... Th I'd, I was doing the dancing with it. I like all the dancing. It was lovely. I mean, it was really a real feel-good film. If ever you're feeling particularly sort of down or miserable, and you're lucky enough to have a DVD player, then uh, you need to you need to watch Mamma Mia. It's well worth it. Uh, Graham says, it sounds like you're using auto-tuning. Um, Dudley Moore was in Santa Claus the movie. Oh, that's right, Santa Claus. He played an elf. But wasn't there another one? No, that was Tim Allen who played an elf in Santa Claus the movie. No, he played, yeah, he played Santa Claus, but uh, Dudley Moore wasn't with, um, in that. Dudley Moore was an elf who was sent down to Earth, wasn't he? And what was that film called? That's the one I can't remember. Miracle on 34th, Christmas with the Cranks, very funny. Scrooge must be the musical. Yes, that is a good one, actually, Michael. I like that, Scrooge, or Scrooged was a very good one as well. That's, that's, that's very good. Uh, and Tony says... What a pleasure for me. I thought you were on holiday this week and you're not. No, no, I'm not on holiday um, for, for quite some time. Well, about three weeks, I think. Uh, another one here, Steve. Honey, lemon and glycerin are equal parts. Have you tried Morrison's voice tablets, says Sue? I've tried everything. It never works for me. I've just got, it's, I'm kind of one of these people. I can work it out by myself. I sort of sit there and eventually the voice will just sort of flood back in again. But at the moment it's very sexy. And you're listening to uh, LBC, which is quite nice. Uh, Steve, I hope your voice holds out. Will you please wish my partner, Sarah, a very happy birthday? This is from Dave in Sawbridgeworth. We saw you in Hornchurch, but we're going to miss your December show as we're spending that week with Nathan in Cyprus. <laughs> I haven't broken the news to him yet. That's all you need. Because Nathan was thinking about renting out bedrooms. But actually, I, I'm delighted to say that both shows at the uh, Mermaid Theatre have sold out commiserations to those people who try to get on. It's quite clearly laid out on the site. I mean, you know, everybody managed to get tickets, apart from, I think, about two people who said that they, they hadn't realised that the machine switched off after five minutes. It gives you... It comes up, flashes up a thing saying you've got five minutes to complete your purchase. Otherwise, you then go back to the back of the queue again. Unfortunately, you can't, can't keep the, uh, the thing open. And so by the time somebody went back on again, the tickets had sold out. So, I mean, good for us. Good for... Nice to have a sell-out show. As I was only saying to people, that, I was only saying to Matt Goss the other week, I said, so nice to have a sell-out show, and he went, I owe you nothing, nothing, nothing at all. I said, of course you don't, darling. So he'll be bringing his big Las Vegas show. Uh, Phil says, if, if your voice goes completely, you could do the show via Twitter. <laughs> could be a good idea. And um, Jeremy says, when, Adam, when Anne Widow Twanky Widdicombe goes... Uh, she'll take Tony Beak with her. That's a good idea, isn't it? We can lose both of them. Of course, it can't be that far away between her doing pantomime, because it's practically that now. I mean, she doesn't take it seriously. She's 
She's not going to be Dick Whittington. <laughs> but I did say yesterday, I'd quite like to see her in something, some thigh-length boots. That'd be quite good, wouldn't it? Something a little bit revealing. And that's what we're paying the licence fee money for. We're not paying to watch an elephant prance around the floor, thank you. I'm paying to watch a bit of glamour. And all the glamour's there except her. And as we said yesterday on the programme, when you consider that Pamela Stevenson is 60 and Anne Whittacombe is 62, it's like chalk and cheese. Anne Whittacombe looks like the woman who's just let herself go completely. Whereas Pamela Stevenson also in the, uh, in the public eye, has looked after herself. Anne Whittacombe appears to have done nothing at all. I mean, perhaps she thinks that men are going to lust after her. Don't worry, Anne, they're not. You know, it's just not one of those sort of things. We always remember, but she's always done these naff programmes. She's not as highbrow as she thinks she is. Uh, Polar Express, says Tony. Lots of snow. Yeah, but it's, it's a cartoon, isn't it? It was sort of an animation, the Polar Express. That was the one that had... Um, Tom Hanks doing the, uh, one of the things. I wasn't... Yeah, it's, it kind of looks a bit real, because what they did with it, the animation, is it's real people animation. So they've used people to get... So it doesn't look like cartoon. They, they have the same mannerisms and things like that. It's not done years ago when they used to actually do line drawings. This is all computerised. And so that's... I mean, I like the idea of an express train turning up beside your house with loads of smoke, but the kid looked a bit scary to me. The little boy in it was a little bit freaky. You know, if ever there was going to be somebody who was from the village of the damned, he was it. And it's as simple as that. Uh, also, the paper today... Uh, oh, I'm trying to find something. Oh, look. Alex Jones, uh, apparently revealing her push-up bra. It's a shame it doesn't actually push up her talent, because uh, she's still struggling with the one show, which is quite sweet. Prince Edward was vetoed by Buckingham Palace from a starring role in Doctor Who... Apparently, the invitation to join the sci-fi is in letters kept by a Doctor Who producer. He apparently wanted the prince, then 24, to star on a three-part adventure to mark the 25th anniversary. And, uh, as I say, Prince Andrew, you, Pr Prince Edward, sorry, you couldn't actually keep away from anything thespian, could you? He used to love that kind of thing, the dressing up bit. Mm. Got a dressing up box at home, I'm going to dress up as Prince Edward. And then he did the It's a Royal Knockout, and we all went, oh, dear Lord, that was terrible, wasn't it? Absolutely terrible. Um, what else we got here? Another quiet week at EastEnders, says uh, Pete, uh, G Jim Shelley. The amount of screen time given to Phil's crack became even more unpalatable than we had feared. Stacy celebrated Ryan's wedding to Janine by telling him he was the father of her baby. And in a dramatic scene, Peggy's wig was raised to the ground, causing her to tell herself, Get out of my pub! Oh, it was quite dramatic. I had a producer in tears during this. In tears over the whole thing. I mean, it was, it was quite something. It was quite... What a way to go, though. What, what a way to go. Uh, nobody can accuse this year strictly of being boring. I mean, it is, you know... It's the same sort of people. Bruno Oily Tony telling Anne Whittacombe, I can't wait to see your rumba. Do you think she understands double entendres? I mean, she's... I mean, I... I don't want to be rude. But frankly, I mean, where are her breasts? Are they down by her knees? I mean, does she... She's... she's well, she's not only short, but I mean... When they put it to her, do you not think she could have had the courage of her convictions to go, I'm an ex-politician, I don't do silly things... I don't know. I can't remember. I think she said she'd been offered... I remember she came here and they'd offered it to her and I think she'd said no, that perhaps money became of the uh, of the essence and she went, no, I don't... Oh, I'll do it then. OK. But uh, if she gets voted off first, she don't get as much money. Which is a bit of a shame, isn't it, I suppose? I don't know. I mean, I'm not watching it this time around. Guess who's warming up the crowd for the Pope? The Pope's coming over and they're going to get a, a crowd warmer. Uh, it's not Russell Brand, no. Surprisingly, it's Carol Vorderman. She's one of the people doing the warm-up for the Pope. 
Does the Pope need warming up? I don't seem to have any warm-up over in Vatican City. But, uh, but interesting. Uh, 84850, Ray and Balham says, who is this butch-sounding bloke that appears to have taken over your programme? I thought Bill Mitchell had been resurrected. Bill, Bill as I said the other day on the programme, was the voice of Capital for years. He used to do the one, nine, four. And it used, it used, I used to sit at home practising this thing. And then somebody said, before he did his voiceovers, he used to drink a bottle of whiskey. And I thought, what a great way to finish your career. And uh, <clears throat> talking of a way of finishing things, the story in the paper today was terrible. It only happened in America. It's a bloke called uh, Stanley Nice. Stanley lives in... It can only be described as he's trailer trash. Unfortunately, he's now a murderer because um, he chased his wife, Sandra, into a neighbouring trailer where he shot her because he didn't like the way she cooked his breakfast eggs. Another loony, I'm afraid. So he then proceeded to empty his gun into uh, her daughter and three other people. I mean, quite literally mad. Sherry Ann Robinson, a relative, said he just got mad at his wife for not making his breakfast and shot her. She tried to run to tell my family and he shot them too because they found out about it over eggs. Over eggs. She cooked his eggs wrong. What a loony. What, yeah, I'm being very careful with the coffee. <laughs> This is, you know, the coffee either better be right, Jess, or, you know, we're in big trouble this morning. Is that, I, mean, you, I mean, you laugh about it, but you think, that's in America. There's people are actually dead because somebody cooked the eggs wrong. My God, oh For a free sample, visit tenamen.co.uk forward slash radio. Morning, everybody. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It is Steve Allen. It is LBC, and the time is now. Steve Allen's. Morning, team. Nice to have your company. I noticed the pictures in the paper today of Ricky Hatton, uh, together with his best mate, Wayne Rooney. I mean, you know, you can't help but think, can you, that it, is it just people from Manchester are a bit stupid this week in the papers? You know, perhaps next week we'll do Bognor Regis. But at the moment, it's Manchester. So, you know, they've got a picture of Ricky Hatton uh, snorting a line of cocaine. On the other hand, it could be just Sherbert. Because, to be honest with you, I've got no idea whether or not sherbet looks any different from cocaine or, you know, I don't know. It just, exactly, I'm just thinking about how funny that would be. You know what it's like when you get water up your nose? That's bad enough, isn't it? The very idea, I mean, I could never do cocaine for two reasons. Firstly, I'm very addictive as a personality. Secondly, I can afford to do it. So that would be two good reasons not to do cocaine, you know, and also... I'm also fairly, inten fairly intelligent, so I've decided I wouldn't want to do it anyway, just in case. I mean, I'm a bit mean. My money might start going down. People might say, where's your money gone? I go, I don't know. I don't know. I just bought three grams the other week and it just vanished. It's ridiculous. It's the only thing, I think, out of all the drugs that stayed the same price. I think cocaine over the years has always been £60 a gram. I remember it from donkeys years ago. 30 years ago, when people talked about cocaine, and I used to think, what the hell is this? And they go, it's £60 a gram. I say, £60? Good God! a fortune now of course exactly i mean you know i buy things in twos so i mean you know it cost me a small fortune but on the other hand i used to think to myself i did know somebody who uh, who was addicted to it. i've had a couple of friends who've been addicted to cocaine and they've luckily come through it the other side but they went through a horrible phase of where they they changed their friends because they only wanted to hang around with people who did drugs i don't know why it's just perhaps it's the way it goes and all i kept thinking was you know well, what do you end up with at the end of the day? The answer is you end up with not very much money and nothing else. 
You don't, you know, it's not like buying a car. You've got a car to show for it. And uh, so I never fancy a truck. I don't want to stick anything up my nose anyway. And a rolled up £20 note? I don't think so. You know, why don't people use straws? Or is that a way of sort of showing that it's you're terribly rich? So you've got silly old Ricky Hatton, fat boy fat. You know, he's got loads of money, obviously bored out of his tiny. Wayne Rooney, bored out of his tiny, loads of money, likes sleeping with uh, with prostitutes and likes paying for it. Unfortunately, he pays way over the odds. You know, you could go to the Reaper Barn, you could go to, you know, the Prater in Vienna, you could go you could go just about anywhere and find somebody for twenty, thirty quid. If that's what you really want to do. Seems a bit ironic, doesn't it, that here they are, childhood sweethearts and dirty old Wayne Rooney. Not surprised he didn't play the other day. The crowds were just waiting for him at Manchester. They got their inflatable dolls out and they'd written all over them and things that we can't repeat on this programme. And so I think they know. And then they issued a statement the other day, didn't they? Saying, you know, we've had a dreadful six days. I thought it's been hilarious for us. You know, seeing, you know, how the other half live. And you imagine, don't you, that their lives are so much better than yours. And then it turns out their life is no better than yours at all. In fact, if anything, it's probably worse. Nothing can be worse, though, or prepare you for the the thought, if you were Bubbles, the chimpanzee. Remember Michael Jackson's chimp Bubbles? He's now in a, in a retirement home for celebrity chimps. Bubbles' worst nightmare came to fruition the other day when there in front of his cage appeared a strange-looking creature and went, Hi, Bubbles. It's Latoya. Do you remember me? And the chimpanzee looks at her thinking, Who the hell are you? Yes, mad as a brush, Latoya Jackson turns up and uh, and starts talking to Bubbles like he's a human being. Of course, the chimpanzee doesn't remember her at all because she hardly ever visited Michael. You can say anything you like about Michael. They all claim that they were best friends. They weren't. Michael had very little to do with the brothers and sisters. Certainly didn't have much to do with his father, that's a fact. But uh, here she is now and uh, going to visit uh, Bubbles, who's nearly 26 and weighs nearly £200. If she walked in the cage, she'd probably kill her. She is completely mad, barking as a barrel load of frogs. So she sat there and started chatting to him. I mean, you just give up, don't you? If you're Bubbles the chimp, you'd be sitting there looking at her thinking, who on earth are you? <laughs> Dreadful. Uh, the Snowman, very good Christmas film. Yes, it was OK, wasn't it, with Walking in the Air, which people think made uh, Alan Jones, but, of course, he never sang it, did he? He, he? he recorded it, but it certainly didn't feature in The Snowman. And uh, another one here. I wish Anne, Anne Widdicombe would be paired with Brendan Cole. That'd be a laugh. Yes, you don't want that oily Anton Dubeck. He's too, he's too plastic. He's too yuck. He's too schmaltzy. He's so... Ugh. Horrible, horrible. Uh, the movie with Tim Allen was called The Santa Claus. Dudley Moore was in... Santa Claus the movie. Oh, right. Well, he, was, he was Santa's help. Santa Claus the movie. OK, right. Uh, Steve, imagine Anne Widdicombe in a pair of gold hot pants. <laughs> yes, not too sure about that one. Uh, having recently had a cough and a sore throat, you have my sympathy, says Lynn. None of the medicines helped. The only thing that did the trick was sucking a piece of licorice. Do you know, isn't that funny? I thought about licorice the other day. Anthony Davis very kindly gave me one of his strepsils because he advertises strepsils. So I think they've given him about ten years' supply. So he's given me one... So I'm saving it as a special treat. One strepsil, I ask you. The man's loaded and he gives me one strepsil. Look at that, one strepsil, Jess. I'm having to hang on to it. Oh, no, don't For keep it in there, it'll go sticky. It's an emergency strepsil. <laughs> <laughs> I should have it in one of those little boxes, you know, where you smash the glass <laughs> to get the, the strepsil out. Steve, I've just woken up. Who the hell are you? 
Where's Steve? Who is this imposter? It is Steve. Actually, I could pretend to be somebody else this morning, couldn't I? I could pretend to be Jenny Barlin. But uh, I don't think it's very likely. Or I could... It sounds a bit like Pat Butcher, doesn't it? Hello, Peggy. <laughs> Hello, Treacle. Actually, the funny thing is you do that, because I'm probably making my voice worse, actually. I should be very careful with it today. Very careful. I don't have anything to do. I don't need to talk to anybody today. I, I did go on a Boris bike the other day. I said to Jess, I said, I've got, I've got one of the keys. And I went to get the Boris. In fact, I bought two, two memberships because I got carried away. I don't know why I bought two. That's stupid. And, uh, and I went on the bike and I went, I picked it up the other side of Leicester Square. And I cycled down there and then up to Piccadilly Circus and then down to the Strand and that was it. It took about 15 minutes and I was exhausted at the end of it. And I was going to go on one today. And I'm thinking, should I, should I go on a bike today? Because I'm sure that if you go on a bike every day, it gets easier. And whilst the only thing I thought about it as I was cycling around Piccadilly Circus is how blooming dangerous is cycling in London. It really is. You can't see the cars behind you. There's no wing mirrors. In my car, I can see everywhere. I've got electric wing mirrors. I can see the, the mirror at the front. On this thing, you have to kind of look sideways. It's really difficult. While turning the bike, you see, if it was a tricycle, I'd be OK. But, uh, but it's not. I like tricycles. I like tricycles. So um, I'm a little bit wary, but I, I will go again. I will definitely, definitely go again on a bicycle. Hopefully this week. But I'm not going to get a helmet. I look silly in a helmet. Some people look good in it. It's like Anthony was talking about looking good in glasses. And he, he's now decided, like I did years ago, that when you put glasses on, they change the shape of your face. And I, I did wear some glasses to the last show we did in Hornchurch. And I'll probably wear them to this one again. They're, they're, not, they're not real glasses. They're, they're pretend glasses, which I bought in Poundland for a pound, surprisingly. And they've just got plain glass in, but they're quite nice frames. And I put them on, I thought, I quite like these. I quite like them because I think glass... I mean, I do need glasses to read. Don't need glasses to drive, I need glasses to read. And uh, I'm really pleased with these other... I bought two pairs, I was that excited. I'm a bit like Dame Edna Everidge. A little bit sparklier costumes, and uh, as you'll be seeing on the 4th. Seems ages away, doesn't it? 4th of December, good grief. Uh, we've got some... Uh, the new, new jackets are being made in Thailand as we speak. And uh, I've got some new shirts to wear in Vegas... So, uh, life's, life's pretty good at the moment. And Christmas is around the corner and I've started buying all my Christmas stuff in Costco. So that's good. And so my brother's got uh, Christmas cards. Christmas. So, in fact, I've, I've actually given him my own Christmas card for this year. Which is good, isn't it? So, I've done that and I've got all sorts of Christmassy stuff. I'm really quite good at the moment. Quite, so everything's a bit sort of organised. John Warrington sorted out my uh, travel ticket. So I've got that. It's not actually a travel ticket. You get a piece of paper. It's an e-ticket. Well, I've never had an e-ticket. I'm used to having a, a thing that looks like a ticket where you rip off. This is an e-ticket. So I've got that. And uh, <coughs> what else have I got? That's it. The hotel's booked. All sorted out. Just got to sort out some dollars. And uh, Bob's your uncle. Very, very happy. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I've got the special visa thing and everything. That's already been done. Paid for that. And got the car parking sorted. I'm quite, quite sorted, actually. It's not for a few weeks. And Christo's going to be sitting in on the programme. He'll be sitting here, not sounding as if he's just gargled with a bag of uh, nails. But there's a bloke in the paper today, actually. And I, I only issue this as a warning to anybody who thought about doing a similar thing. He's a, a teenager. He emailed the White House calling President Obama the P-word. A rather stupid, stupid little boy called Luke Angel. He's a, he's a numpty. That's all you can describe him as. He's 17, and uh, his drunken insult was unacceptable. He's been banned from America for life. 
There is no chance he will ever get in there. He, uh, he admitted he fired off a single email criticising the US government after seeing a television programme. He says, I don't remember exactly what I wrote as I was drunk, but I think I called Barack Obama a... It was a, a silly thing, sort of thing you do when you're a teenager and you've had a few. No, not as stupid as you, Luke, I'm afraid. Teenagers don't do that. Just you, matey. You are the thick plank of today. Anyway, the police came. He comes from Bedfordshire. And uh, they took his picture and told him uh, that he was banned from America forever. I don't really care, he said. My parents like So, in other words, I don't really care. You stupid boy, aren't you? What a thicko you are. 17 and as dim as a plank. Remember the name? Luke Angel. A very stupid little child. Uh, 17, but with a mental age of about five, I think. A bit like watching Jedward on the television, isn't it? I watched them the other day where... They've, thank you, Bobby. But they've got no idea how to treat a place. They, they leave. I think it was the last one of the Jedwood series. And they leave this very expensive flat, which I think was in Dublin. It might have been, it might have been somewhere else. It doesn't matter wherever it was. But they caused immeasurable damage. They had no idea how to wash up a plate. They, at one point, they, they're doing a signing in a shop. And then, without telling security... They go rushing outside. The security go mad trying to get them back inside again. And frankly, if you've been their parents, you'd have slapped their legs. Because you come to the conclusion that poor old John and Edward aren't all there in the upstairs department. They're, they're sort of 18-year-old boys, but I think mentally they're probably about 9 or 10. Because they, they eat sweets. They, at one point, one of them put a chilli in his mouth. They was going, oh, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts, it hurts. Oh, it's awful, it's hurting, it's hurting me. And I'm thinking... Who do you remind me of? I know. Brian Dowling, out of uh, Big Brother. They're exactly the same. No, he didn't eat chilies, but they, they sound as camp as Brian Dowling. They're just, they're just immensely stupid. I mean, you just can't believe that 18-year-olds can be as balmy as this. You know, at least, you know, when, when you get to somebody like Katie Price, and thankfully she's not on the television at the moment, I mean, you understand the fact that she is stupid and foul-mouthed and she can't help it. And then you watch the Saturdays, and I watched that programme because John Warrington gave me a copy. And so I was watching that one. And the Saturdays don't do anything. In fact, they were so desperate, at one point they went out and bought an eyeshadow, and that warranted a film crew. I mean, how stupid you have to be. There's one called Rochelle. Well, she can barely string two words together. You know, far from speaking street, she can barely struggle with the language. I mean, I don't know what she did before... But just absolutely awful. I, I felt so sorry for them. I really felt so sorry for them. I feel sorry as well for um, Catherine Watkins. Catherine Watkins is in all the papers today. The Sun even mentioned her in their editorial. Uh, doctors failed to realise she had cancer despite 20, count them, 20 medical examinations. She's had ab abdominal pains since last December. Her weight plummeted by two stone... And still nobody realised she was in such agony. She was taken to Southend Hospital in Essex four times. None of the doctors spotted her condition. She saw doctors at GP surgeries and clinics, but she was repeatedly told she had gallstones. One ambulance worker even told her, I know you haven't got gallstones, love. After she was immobilised by the pain, doctors finally did a scan and have discovered that she's got advanced liver and pancreatic cancer and there's nothing that they can do. What they've said is she's got just months to live. And you think to yourself, how can you screw up so badly? How, after 20 medical examinations, how could you not know that some... Why did they not do a scan to start with? 
I mean, why would, you know, I just don't understand. And of course, now they've actually said to her, I'm sorry, we can't do anything. Whereas, you know, perhaps in the beginning, they might have been able to do something for her. That happened a short while ago, wasn't it? Another woman. And they said, I'm sorry, but it's just weeks. And you think, God, you've got, you know, you've, I mean, these people are very, very courageous. You put yourself in the same position and you think, I mean, I always, I always think back to my mum when she was told and she immediately started putting everything in order. You know, she started making out a list of what she wanted doing, making money available for the funeral. I mean, she sorted it all out, you know, giving her jewellery away, writing letters to all her godchildren, all these kind of things that you do. And you think, not me. I'd be screaming it from the blooming rooftops. You know, oh, blimey, I don't, I don't know how people do it. I think that's absolutely amazing. Mind you, of course, I'm always hoping that we go on to a better place. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? I fancy sitting on a cloud wearing white. On second thoughts, I must stop drinking in the morning. 14 to 6. <laughs> These are the headlines. George Osborne's under pressure to explain his intentions on benefit cuts. Unions and charities have criticised the Chancellor after a leaked letter revealed plans to cut billions of pounds from employment and support allowance. Ministers are being warned coordinated strikes could be on the way. Detectives are investigating two shootings in South London over the weekend. Met police believe a 23-year-old man shot dead in a flat in West Norwood on Saturday was killed in a targeted attack. And a 20-year-old man is in a serious but stable condition after being shot in Peckham yesterday. Finally, 60,000 people filled Twickenham Stadium last night to watch stars perform in support of the armed forces. The Help for Heroes concert included Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow's first live performance together in 15 years. Let's have a check on the road, shall we? Get you there nice and quick this morning with the help of our travel team. Hurry and have your say this morning from 7, LBC 97.3. Morning team, nice to be company. It is me. Sounding a little bit sexy this morning. Sexy program, then this is the one for you. <clears throat> Except it disappeared. I'm probably making it worse actually by doing this. La la la. I'll start gargling later on with salt or something. Richard in Wapping says, I think the Muppets Christmas Carol was superb and Michael Caine magnificent as Scrooge. Real pathos. We like Michael Caine. No, I'm not going to do it. Oh, I only told you to blow the bloody doors off because we know he listens to this program. When he used to go into Pinewood, it just sounds like me doing it, doesn't it? <laughs> just Steve Allen was doing an impression of who? Steve Allen, I'm afraid. I don't know. Whatever you've heard about the programme, it's probably true. If only I was out there listening to it at the moment, thinking, good heavens above, he sounds rough, doesn't he? But uh, as I explained to my driver, Mohammed this morning, I said, we don't work. We don't get paid. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And the last time it went, Jess reminded me, because they kept phoning me up every day going, is it getting better? And I go, I think it's getting better. And then, lo and behold, within an hour, it had gone completely. And I remember Chris Lowry phoning me up going, are you all right? And I'm going, I don't and it was, it was just, I'm doing mime into the telephone. It was absolutely awful. And it's so annoying. You know, you get, I get angry with myself. I sat in the shower this morning on my little stool, which is very exciting. And, uh, and I thought, if I put the shower on sort of warm or hot and I aim it at my throat, maybe it will sort of ease. Because my, my glands are not swollen. And that's normally an indication. Whether or not being diabetic, I know we, we do get quite sick, but um, uh, not, as, not as sick as some people. I, mean, I think I'm quite good today. Uh, Philip says, I know why your voice is poor today. It's because you were singing with Robbie Williams in Twickenham. Yes. Actually, actually, the truth of the matter is Robbie Williams was singing with me in Twickenham. Actually, I nearly wandered up there yesterday. Um, uh, David says, managed to get tickets for the Saturday gig in December. I'm coming with Ray, your mate. Thank you for that. So we'll see you on... Is that... Is that, is that the, uh, the seven o'clock or the three o'clock? Because they're both... Both sold out now. It's up on the website, and uh, they're both sold out. Although a little bit nearer the time. You never know. Sometimes tickets may, may come back in. Uh, 84850. 
Steve at lbc.co.uk. What's the weather for today? What does Andy tell us? Cloudy but dry. Just as well, actually. I didn't bring my, my little umbrella with me. Because I had a pocket full up with tablets and everything else. Thicker cloud this afternoon, says Andy. And by this evening, a little drizzle. The southwesterly wind gradually becoming stronger. Currently 10 degrees. It's noticeably cooler. It's no- I might have to put a vest on. I might have to put a vest on. Uh, what a treat for everybody. Uh, currently it's 10 degrees and it'll rise to, as I say, 1920, which is a tad cooler. Tonight, cloudy, few spots of drizzle, quite muggy. 16 in town, 14 out of town. And tomorrow, cloudy and damp with a high of 20. Wednesday, dry with sunny spells. Thursday, similar to Wednesday, so dry with sunny spells. And Friday, sunny and breezy with a few scattered showers. So there you go. How cool is that? Uh, 84850, steve at uk. And uh, Lord S says, do not forget your platforms to go with your sparkly jacket and satin shirt. Never had a satin shirt. Never done a satin shirt, strangely enough. I'd, I had a satin shirt about 40... I, yes, exactly. I don't want to look like sort of reject from the X Factor or something like that. So it's, it's not quite me. We do have the sparkly jackets and they do look particularly good. It has to be said. And we'd have the sparkly shoes. We'll have to ask you before we get to the actual show, do you want silver sparkle or black sparkle? We have a choice. We wore Silver Sparkle last time around. Uh, Sarah says, Richard and I love listening to you, but you must look after your voisin. We know that you want to get paid, but we'd rather have you in good health. Actually, funny thing is, I feel fine. That's the stupid thing about it. I feel absolutely fine. It's just the, uh, it's the sort of, the, the voisin, isn't it? We just hope it's not contagious. Oh, dear, dreadful. Uh, Gary in Chigwell says, uh, Have you had your Vic Vapor Rub? I used to like the smell of Vic Vapor Rub. I don't think it makes it... It's only if, if you're, my chest doesn't hurt or anything like that. It's just I've obviously sort of strained my throat. Not particularly good. Uh, Steve, where are you appearing on the 4th? Says Tina. And have all the tickets been sold? Yes. They sold out the other day, both shows, on the 4th. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Terry Pratchett's Hogfather. It's not a movie, it was a mini-series on Sky One. And another one here, It's a Wonderful Life, best Christmas film. Do you know, it's strange enough, everybody says it's a really good... I didn't think it was that great. I mean, it's a good film, but I, I, I perhaps I need to watch it again. Because out of all my Christmas films, and I do tend to revert back to Christmas Carol, because I, I like things, I like sort of traditional-type films, but uh, I shall watch It's a Wonderful Life again, just in case I've, I've missed something. I know people say it's, it's the best film and it's this and that. And so uh, perhaps I, sh- I should give it a whirl, as they say. Uh, Daily Mail today. You can uh, pick up your glorious David Attenborough DVD. Clever man he is. You know, it doesn't matter what he's talking about on the television. I couldn't care less. I just think he's entertaining. He's got one of those lovely voices. Very, very nice. Uh, forget Venus and Mars. Apparently men and women do think alike. Actually, I'm, I'm psychic. I can sit there on the television. You, you probably do it yourself where you're watching the Antiques Roadshow. And they go, how much do you think it's worth? And I said yesterday, uh, £250. And lo and behold, back she comes with, it's worth about, I think, £250. And then, a little bit later on, there was another item came up. And before they'd even got to the valuation, I went, £3,000. And she said, what do you think it's worth? And uh, and they went, about £3,000. I thought, I am so psychic. I am so, it's either that or I've just started making up prices or I've seen the programmes before. But I mean, I think I'm quite psychic in that department. Or failing that, I mean, yes, yes, I either shop too much or I'm an expert on the Antiques Roadshow. I mean, I think that's quite good. Or I am an antique. <laughs> Sometimes people who've seen me on the beach go, Arthur Negus would value those legs, you know, a little bit cabriole, aren't they? 
<laughs> in their own way. Uh, another one. Why do women turn a man to, or men to, racy cars? And the answer is, and I'll, I'll tell you now, ladies, if the man of your dreams becomes distracted by a passing sports car, do not despair. It means he likes you. If, however, he starts talking about towels or toasters, he's not that interested. Research shows that the sight of an attractive woman sparks a man's interest in luxury goods from designer watches to flash cars such as Porsches and Ferraris. It is thought he is subconsciously working out how he could afford them in a bid to prove he's financially sound. What a load of old rubbish. Nobody ever sits there. I never see a flash car going past and think, now, how can I afford that? I've never thought that in my life. No, I don't think I don't think anybody thinks that. You never ever look at you know a flash car and go, now how can I afford to buy that? You just go, that's a flash car and I don't have it. I never think anything else. It's like you don't watch somebody on television playing football and go, now how can I have legs like that so I can play football too? You never think about that. There's um there's a um, a presenter in the paper today. I'll tell you now that his name is Jeremy Vine or anything like that. But anyway, he apparently is in the paper today because he's got a stalker. Unfortunately, this one's, you know, really a bit of a nutter. And uh, she spies on him during his lunch hour. She follows him home. Uh, she watches him during his visits to a sandwich bar. Uh, she's also believed to have tweeted online insults about him while she was following him. Uh, she's understood to be uh, single with at least one child. They're always the, 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 the ones you've got to watch out for. And uh, this one has uh, used various names. She's also been accused before of doing this. And uh, they think she may have phoned to his show under one of her other names. A complete loony, I'm afraid. Uh, that, is, that is the occupational hazard, I suppose. But there's a picture of her. She looks a bit of a worry, I'm afraid. But uh, now uh, she's been told not to contact him at all. How frightening. But uh, it's, it is these strange people, isn't it? And it's, you know, single mothers sit at home, pretend to be somebody else, come up with lots of different names. Generally, all a bit screwed upstairs, I'm afraid. Not exactly 100% in the brain department. Uh, Joy says, I understood you read out a birthday greeting on your Sunday show to Jessica on her ninth birthday. And I wanted to say thank you. My aunt, who sent in the request, taped it for us to hear, and Jessica was made up to hear her name being mentioned. As to what to buy a nine-year-old who has virtually everything... We got her a Nintendo DS. Prices are getting more and more expensive as the years pass by. Aren't they just? I mean, when you think about it, I don't know how much... How much a Nintendo's DS is now? Are they about £100? Something like that? About £100. For a nine-year-old, that's a lot of money. When I was... Um, hold on, I'm trying to think. A few years back, of course. When I was about 14, I think it was 25 quid maximum for Christmas. I mean, nowadays, that's almost laughable, isn't it? I mean, somebody said to me, oh, you know... Sorry, exactly. I mean, wrapping. But, do you know? I I bought. I, that was old, but that was pounds, shillings, and pence. Exactly, twenty-five pounds, sixteen shillings, and threepence halfpenny. And I did go out to buy paper last year. And what annoys me about paper? You buy this lovely paper, you lovingly wrap the present up. Somebody looks at it, rips the paper off, and they look at the present inside. I'm thinking the paper cost an arm and a leg. My mother used to. My mother used to save it. She used to save it. Say that's such like we'll, we'll save that paper. <laughs> used to wrap tree presents up in it. So when you had Christmas lunch, yeah, and then you, and then you, you sort of cut it and you, she would peel the tape off very carefully. I bought a load of bows this year, which I've given to my brother, and him and his girlfriend can fight over them. So all, they, they put bows on all the presents. And you look at the price of a bow, and they're like, you know, 30, 40, 50 pence, up to a pound. And nobody ever looks at it. They just go, oh, it's a bow and some ribbon. 
They don't realise the love and the care and the tension that I pay to wrapping their treasured Christmas present. But hey-ho, here's a... Advanced rental payable. Terms and conditions apply. That's a big problem, is I was just saying to Jess, actually, the big problem is, when you get to a certain age, deciding what you want for Christmas, and people have always said to me, they say, you're the most difficult person to buy for Christmas. Because if you want something, you go and buy it. So Jessica, on her ninth birthday, got a Nintendo DS. And I said years ago, when my godchildren were young, it would have been easier to wrap up an empty cardboard box, put pretty paper around it in a ribbon so they can rip it off. Because the moment they'd ripped the paper off, they moved on to another box. So it made no difference what was in it. So my idea this year, just put some boiled sweet in the middle of a huge box, wrapped up with tissue paper. Perhaps my strepsil here. One strips, I ask, how mean is Anthony Davis? You wait. News is next, it's LBC. Good morning, it's Mum Allen. LBC 97.3. So I'm just trying to get myself again. I'm just looking out the window thinking, is it naturally dark this morning? Is it normally lighter by this time, or are we now into autumnal weather? Elaine, sweetie pea. Says Lee Van Widdicombe alone. She's a very entertaining lady and did a brilliant job at covering an LBC mid-morning show. We didn't say she didn't, dear. We didn't say she didn't. We talk about that. I'm just saying that if you're going to appear on a television programme which is about dancing, you know, if we want to employ dancing elephants, that would be different. If you want people to go on there and you're paying them thirty to fifty thousand pounds then you expect them to go along with the fun of it, as opposed to going, I'm not wearing fake tan, I'm not going to wear anything revealing. The whole idea about ballroom dancing, unless you've been on another planet, Elaine, is that, you know, it's revealing costumes. Nobody does themselves up like Demeter Roussos, unless, of course, you're going to different dancing classes. Perhaps you're one of those people who likes to wear those sort of clothes, but the whole idea is it's revealing and it shows lots of flesh. That's the whole idea of it. That's why it's ballroom dancing, for God's sake. God, blimey. I do wish some people would wash their ears out, don't you? Anyway, some weeks ago, says Rona, you talked about a DVD or a book called The Secret Life of Manchester. It's a book, actually, and I don't think it's called... <laughs> I sound a bit hoarse this morning. Just a little bit hoarse. It's, it's passable, though, isn't it? I mean, actually, I think it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I'm sounding better, actually. Is it, is that, you think so? Do you think I'm, I'm a little bit Princess Anne this morning? Hello, Mark. Was she with Mark? No, she's with somebody else now, isn't she? I've forgotten who she was with. Actually, in fact, I think it's getting better. In fact, a minute ago, Jess said she thought I sounded quite normal. Mind you, her idea of normal and mine are two completely different things. Poles apart, we are. Poles apart. So anyway, no, the book is about underground Manchester. And I found it on Amazon, and I can't remember how I found it. Somebody mentioned, because I've always been interested in tunnels, and... Don't ask why. It's a, it's a sad... I'm a bit like a mole. I am a mole, and I live in a hole. And, and it was underneath Manchester where there's all these network of tunnels and, a, and apparently a canal and all sorts of things. And this bloke's been down there. I mean, you can find all sorts of stuff out if you just type on Google underground tunnels. I suppose most tunnels would be underground, wouldn't they, actually, <laughs> on reflection? What a faux pas. And, and, this, and this one I found on, on Amazon. So I, um, I bought it. And actually, I tell you, I, who did I give it to? Did I give you the book? I gave the book to Caroline, that's right. Because Caroline went to Manchester and I said she can have it. I think she kept it, actually. And it's, it's, I gave it to her. And uh, she was very happy with it. Very, very happy with it. Because it's a nice, interesting book. But you do get people who are tunnel fanatics and anything un- underground. I think uh, Glasgow, Edinburgh? Edinburgh, I think, is honeycombed with underground tunnels and things like that. Nottingham the same. I love stuff like that. Love it. Uh, Nick Ferrari this morning from 7. John Nicholl former RAF officer, now broadcaster. 
We'll be uh, looking at the papers today. Why are so few criminals given maximum jail sentences? And uh, Rose Dixon, who's the chief executive of support after murder and manslaughter, says maximum sentences need to be used more. There's no such thing as a maximum sentence, is there now? Somebody goes to prison for manslaughter for eight years, they're out in four. It kind of makes a mockery of it. I can't help feeling in any other country, they say you're going to prison for life. You're kind of in there till you die. I don't see why prison should be some sort of soft option, which it appears to be for many people. There was a riot the other day in a women's prison. Seems par for the course, doesn't it? And all because, apparently, the um, the women's rugby was cut short by something. So they started, they caused £10,000 worth of damage, or £100,000 worth, started ripping things up. You think, oh, I'm terribly sorry, we're going to take the television away. This isn't supposed to be some holiday or something. It's, it's supposed to be a deterrent, but it appears not to be. Some people go in there. My favourite Christmas film, says Paul, It's a Wonderful Life and Scrooge with Alistair Sim. By the way, my mum did exactly the same as yours and did everything to the last detail. He says, um, um, I know you met Dale at the radio station at the Biscuit Factory. Would you also work with John Peters? Yes, John Peters was there uh, when I started at, uh, at UBN. And then he went up to... Nottingham. He went to Radio Trent, John Peters. Pretty certain. Biscuit. I used to work in a radio station, a biscuit factory. A long time ago. Before you were even born, Jess. While you just... Which, everybody says that. Did you get free biscuit? We you get people writing in going, can I come and work on your radio station? P.S. I love custard creams. Well, we never made custard creams at Osterley. In fact, I don't think we made custard creams at all. We had uh, jelly rounds, which were those, like, jammy dodgers, made in Liverpool. Yeah, made in Liverpool. Penguins were made in Manchester. Uh, which were bourbon biscuits covered in chocolate. Uh, Toll Cross, outside Glasgow, used to make shortbread. And uh, we used to have, um, um, I was going to call it a farm shop. It wasn't, it was a biscuit shop at UB, at Osterley, which is where Sky is now. And so uh, we used to go and get discount biscuits. So to be after a while, it's, you know, to be honest with you, it's like, like working in a, I don't know, a chocolate shop. For the first bit, they say, eat as many chocolates as you want, because after the first day, you won't want to eat chocolates. <laughs> You kind of go off the idea. Although I bet there's some of you listening now going, you are joking, aren't you? You are joking. Anyway, witty to win, says Claudia Connell, writing in the mail today. Let's hope Anton's a man who likes a challenge. He certainly is. I don't know what she's wearing. They can't find anything that suits her. So she's wearing what can only be described as a caftan. Whereas um, the sad thing is Gavin Henson. And she writes here about Gavin Henson. She says here, uh, his body may be godlike, but his personality is god-awful. She says, you'd think Tess was interviewing him in Swahili from the confused look on his face. He's as dim as a plank. In fact, I mean, you won't find anybody... As, I mean, what they're trying to do now is we've now created, sadly, another silly numpty personality. Another person who will give up on the rugby because they can make more popping up on reality shows. This is his second reality show. He's not played rugby for 18 months. So we kind of wasted that, that side of it. So now he thinks it's a personality. But when you hear him talking, you suddenly realised it's all gone. All gone upstairs. I'm there seems to be nobody intelligent, does there, anymore? They seem to have just disappeared, I'm afraid. Disappeared completely. Uh, Ricky Hatton, in the paper today, they say that this uh, video may have put the final nail in the coffin of his glittering career. Uh, well, since he's put on so much weight, I wouldn't have thought he'd wasted anybody's time. The two prostitutes in the Wayne Rooney affair have gone on television to apologise to Colleen. The male say, looking decidedly down market, Jennifer Thompson and Helen Wood put on an extraordinary display of contrition for the cameras. Miss Thompson, who sold her story to the News of the World, declared without a hint of irony, it's a horrible thing to learn your husband has cheated on you, particularly when you're pregnant. I have so much sympathy for her. <sighs> 
<laughs> Stupid pair of idiots, aren't they? Privately educated Miss Thompson, known as Juicy Jenny to her clients, anything less juicy be hard pushed to find, is said to have led the three in a bed things and says here, um, if it was me, I'd be devastated. It would tear me apart. In a thick Manchester accent, she said, um, I can't do the accent. Um, if Colleen is in this room now, I'd like to say I'm so sorry for all the hurt you've been put through. The single mother who has a seven-year-old son says, I can't apologise enough, I'm sorry. All the best for the future. <laughs> a great love there. How fantastic. Wonderful. Good luck there, Rooney and uh, Colleen, because they need a little bit of uh, peace and quiet at the moment. And uh, there's a very strange story about this woman. Quite clearly, she's desperate for publicity. Her name is Louise Pollard. I'll tell you why she's desperate for publicity. When you hear this ridiculous story about I've miscarried the Bin Laden twins. Wait for this one. After this. News headlines with Sam Pulling from 10, LBC 97.3. Apparently, Jess says they're opening Aldwych Station, the, the tube station, so that... Uh, I don't know what they call people who like tube trains. So I know you get anoraks who sit there doing numbers, but you don't get that for tube trains. But people who want to go to tube stations and have a look. And Aldwych is, is quite nice. It's got two entrances. And in fact, actually, it's got the one entrance on as if you're heading down to Fleet Street. And you go around the corner, and there's another entrance. But go down just about 20 feet further, and there's the, um, the fake Roman baths which you go down, and you go down these old... It's like going back to Dickens' London. You expect Jack the Ripper to pop out from somewhere, or sort of the Artful Dodger going, all right. Well, you wouldn't say that at all, actually. But anyway, and you go down, and you push a button, and this thing lights up, and it's a fake Roman bath, which is quite nice. It's all in the same sort of area. But they, but they use Aldwych uh, tube for filming. They've put in a fake box office, which they use for filming. And then there's... Because I remember Diane Burstein was telling me once that a lot of people got very confused. They were going on a, on a tube from wherever it was to wherever it was. And as they went through this station, people were amazed to look out the windows and see the station all lit up and people in Victorian costumes sitting on the platform because they were filming. <laughs> and they do that a lot. So they're going to do that one. And then you've got the churches over the road. It's quite nice around there, actually. But they did build a fake box office at Aldwych. But it's got a whole line of phone boxes inside, you know. And people of a certain age, over 30, will remember the old... There was something about them and the tube trains coming in. I mean, I sometimes get the tube in the morning to go to Waterloo. Only sometimes. It depends if I've got the energy to either get the bus or to walk or to cycle. Uh, or to... I might cycle this morning, actually. On second thoughts, maybe not. <laughs> I don't think I'm quite up to it. And, um... And, and that's quite nice. Just doing one, one tube stop is very good indeed. So here's this woman, a British surrogate mother, who was carrying Osama bin Laden's twin grandchildren and suffered a miscarriage. Louise Pollard, who seems to now have hawked herself around all the, the papers and everything else, uh, was ten weeks into the pregnancy when she lost the children, conceived by IVF, um, using the sperm of bin Laden's son Omar, and the eggs of his 54-year-old British wife, Zaina, who was previously known as Jane Felix Brown. Anyway, Miss Pollard was travelling in Syria with Mrs Bin Laden when she was attacked by two men as she walked alone from a cafe to her accommodation late at night. Anyway, she has... There is asked for a reaction. Bin Laden has said, no, nothing to do with her, nothing at all to do with her. But now she's gone in the papers. I mean, you just begin to wonder, you know, whether or not, you know, these people just are attention seekers, or whether or not... You know, they, they feel they've got a mission in life. And why you'd want to be sort of a surrogate mother for Bin Laden, I've got no idea. Unless you're that desperate in life. 
that you feel you've got to do something. It's like, there's a, a rather silly story in the paper today, and I think it's in The Sun, about, uh, after all the, uh, the prostitute stories, in the middle, I think it's in the middle of The Sun today, it's either in the middle of The Sun or it's in the middle of, thanks Jess, middle of, oh no it is, it's in the middle of The Sun, TV presenter, hardly very often I'm afraid, Gail Porter, investigates prostitution. I mean, what is there to learn about prostitution? Apart from the fact that there's a very good chance you could end up being murdered, there's a very, very good chance you'll pick up a disease, there's a very, very good chance uh, you'll turn to drugs, and there's a very, very good chance that, uh, that you won't survive very long. 80,000 prostitutes in the UK, 1,500 sex establishments in London alone, and how much do we spend on hookers every year? A billion pounds. And apparently one in 15 men pay for sex. I'm going up and down this corridor a bit later on, actually. Yeah, but what is paying... Is, 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 is paying for sex? Does it, she doesn't quite explain it, Gail Porter, because it's just an excuse for her to put on sort of what she thinks are sexy clothes. But there again, that's only in her own mind. And she goes to Amsterdam. It's a total waste of time, because this is like the oldest story. Under, so you could recycle this with anybody. I could have done this. Girls sitting in windows, and people go up there, and they've got a price list. You know, it's all very regular, but people don't want to do that. Who wants to, you know, go around Amsterdam? Amsterdam is tacky. You know, it's got people sitting in windows with ultraviolet light on. Not very attractive at all, I'm afraid. I thought Amsterdam was all sort of, you know, cheese and, and clogs and tulips and canals and stuff like that. But uh, here it is, and uh, Gail Porter thinks she's doing everybody a favour by telling you the murky world of prostitution, like we're all stupid or something and nobody's got any idea what goes on. I mean, you know that one, it's, it's perfectly legal, prostitution in this country, provided it's only one person. If there's more than two, if there's, if there's two people, then it's classed as a brothel. And so it's against the law to pay for services from a prostitute. But what's the difference? You go out, say, uh, you know, onto the town for a night and you meet somebody in a nightclub and you take them out for a meal and then back to your place and you give them the cab fare home. Is that prostitution? Probably not. And yet, if you meet somebody who advertises in a phone box... And don't be fooled by the pictures. They're years old, and uh, nine out of ten times, that isn't the person. Uh, what you're looking at is, is just a picture that they've lifted off the internet. In fact, I think at one point, Samantha Fox, poor soul, featured in some of these photographs, and she had to almost take legal action to say, listen, don't use my photo. And in the mornings, you can go round the back of um, Edgware Road and down off the Marylebone Road, and you'll see the carders. These are the boys who stand there. For 50 quid, they put cards in boxes and they stand there. What I always advise you, if ever you go into a phone box in London and there's loads of cards of prostitutes, there's loads of blue tack on the back and it's great for putting up your Christmas cards. So just take off the cards, throw them on the floor and take the blue tack because it'll save you a fortune and it's already done in nice little pieces. Isn't that cute? And that way, and you don't want people to go with these, these people because most of them have got illnesses and diseases and stuff like that. But uh, strangely enough, all around the Edgware Road, around the Marylebone Road... Hundreds of these calling cards. I used to drive through... Well, I discovered the blue tack when I stood in a box one day and think, have they put double-sided tape on the back of these cards? You know, but there's an awful lot of actresses selling their wardrobes. And I used to think, well, why don't you just go and buy a new wardrobe from Ikea or something like that? But they were all selling wardrobes, and some of them had some, uh, some domination outfits or something. So, anyway, you know, week's time, I had a complete new outfit. It was very nice indeed. And, so, and I pulled one of these cards off, and there's blue tack on the back of it. They used to put it in each corner, now it's just in the middle. So they're obviously economising on blue tack. And I was quite excited by this. So I've started a trend for... Because blue tack's really pricey. But in fact, if you go to the, uh, the phone boxes where the, uh, the prosies advertise, you can get it for free. How cool is that? 
That's very good value. And so I quite like that idea, but it's obviously, they say it's the world's oldest profession. I don't know why. But, uh, but what, what is actually paying for it? Is picking somebody up, taking them for a meal, and then giving them a cab fare home, is that paying for sex? Or, or, is, or do we only determine prostitutes as somebody who, um, who sort of charges, and, they, you go, and they, they establish beforehand what you're going to get and how much you're going to pay for it? Listen, I can't think of anything worse. The very idea of actually paying for something you can get for free from so many people seems a little bit balmy. But some people obviously like it. Married men seem to go for that. They seem to enjoy that kind of thing. I don't know why, because you've only got to look at these things. When you see them finally, and they're, they're in the newspapers, happily talking, and you think, oh, dear. You know, perhaps you look better with all your makeup on, or perhaps better, you know, in, in the dark. I don't know. It's, it's all a little bit worry. There's a woman here addicted to a fantasy world of computers. Computer games, in particular. Now, I'm lucky. I'm one of these people. I'm not at all interest in computer games. I've got them on the phone, and I've downloaded some applications, and I've got all sorts... But I'm not really into it, but I've seen kids... They used to go into the arcades. They'd be... You know, their hands get really sort of, you know, manic with it. But this mother was so obsessed with computer games, her kids lived in squalor, and her dogs starved to death. All because she was playing something called Small World. Doesn't mean anything at all to me. I've got no idea what they are. But uh, she, she neglected them. She's only 33. She played non-stop. You see, I've never been that addicted to computer games. Thank goodness. Morning, everybody. 24 minutes to 7. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBZ. A little bit throaty this morning, but don't worry. It's doing the round. Stephen Bridlington says, I was really looking forward to the uh, Help for Heroes concert last night. Z-list hell. Two hours of my life I shall never get back. Still, he says, it raised money for the troops. Apparently, about between 750,000 and a million. So we can't complain. Actually, don't you? I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Everybody's nose out of joint this morning. I think the government should be paying for this. I don't think we should have to have concerts, brilliant though they are, to raise money for our troops. This should be, you know, they don't have this in any other country. They don't have, you know, a concert in, in America to raise money for the troops to keep them going. You know, this should be funded by the government. It's just ridiculous. It's only because of the government's lack of, you know, of funding of these sort of things that we have to do these concerts and people, very well-meaning people, raise a lot of money. It's disgraceful, isn't it, really? Mind you, even more disgraceful, there was a charity auction the other day and uh, Princess Beatrice uh, was there with, uh, with Mummy. Broke Mummy. I don't know what she was doing at a charity auction. But anyway, Beatrice and Fergie were among guests who included Prince Harry at a party held by the luxury watchmaker Jaeger... Le Couture, at the hotel in Ascot on Friday. Following dinner, a charity auction was held during which Beatrice became involved in a frantic bidding war for one of Jaeger's timepieces. Although still a student, the princess managed to keep the bidding going until it reached £2,000, at which point she glanced across at her mother seated at an adjoining table. Quick as a flash, Pal Mal jeweller Humphrey Butler, the man with the gavel for the evening quipped don't look at Mummy, she can't help you. Which, of course, seemed very funny at the time. Says a fellow guest, it was a terribly funny gag, but there was a rather embarrassed silence afterwards. I don't see why there should be any embarrassed silence. It is a well-known fact that Sarah Fergie has got no money and is brassic and is still lording it up like she's learned nothing at all, I'm afraid. Anyway, uh, B kept her hand down after that and dropped out of the bidding. The watch ended up going for £8,000. <laughs> 
One of the best auctioneers I've ever seen is Biggins. He can work a room. Some very, very good people out there, and they, they work the room very well. And they get the money. They get the, uh, they get the money from people. And some people, when I went to the, um, uh, the Water Rats, they had a, an auction. There's a lot of people who go there and prepared to pay a lot of money, which is good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, 84850. Uh, Pam says, was so disappointed this morning when I tuned in to LBC, no Steve Allen. Well, how rude are you? I mean, quite clearly you know it's me. Who else has got this kind of personality? With or without the voice, for goodness sake. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, Steve says, I've recently discovered the benefits of wearing tights. Actually, this isn't as, as peculiar as you might think. There are a lot of market traders who wear tights for simple... Oh, yes, it's quite well known for the simple reason that uh, on cold days, tights keep your legs warm. So a lot of market traders were out there in the early hours of the morning. I know you're all going, no, 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 no. Absolutely, they wear women's tights underneath their... Tra- they might look all big and butch, these market traders. But I promise you, given a bicycle or a horse, they'll all be riding side saddle. Most of them are wearing tights under their clothes. Some bras, but that's a completely different programme, which we can't discuss at the moment. So they do. So, Steve, he says, my wife is not convinced. But he says, I'm warmer on colder days and I'm less tired at the end of the day down to better circulation. Well, I can only repeat that a lot of market traders use them because it's so cold out there. And, you know, you, you, you get freezing cold, even in these early mornings. It's, it's a bit chilly, I'm afraid. So, uh, so now you know. Now you know. Uh, food again today. There's, a, there's another diet out there called the Dukan diet. I've got no idea what it is because I've told you a million times before, diets don't work. Because if they did, there'd only be one diet. And that would be the one that you'd all be going, oh, you've got to try this one. Over the years, we've had the F-Plan diet. We've had, you know, the Hay diet. We've had the Cambridge diet. We've had just about everything. And all they are, they're money-making. They're money-making uh, ideas for somebody who thought it up. I can remember, I told you years ago... I went to the relaunch, the relaunch, if you please, of the Cambridge diet, held at the Savoy Hotel, proving how much money there must be in it. And at the end of this limp presentation, they said, um, you know, that there is an opportunity uh, for you to try the Cambridge diet, or you can have some of the hotel's food. So that's what we all went for. You know, given the choice of something that comes out of a packet that you make up, or, you know, a milkshake or whatever it happened to be, or some uh, Savoy food, we go for the Savoy food every time. So, uh, so that was that. But, I mean, people struggle with diets. And the only diet that works is little and often and exercise. You know, get a bicycle, go swimming, do something. If you just sit there and just eat and don't do any exercise, you pile on the pounds. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's no good. But, you know, I, I looked at that party barrel of Kentucky Fried Chicken and the weight just piled on me. I can't understand it. I thought chicken was all right. White meat. The Vionetta was quite nice, too. And you think, oh, dear. And then what did I see the other day? This awful thing. And all I kept thinking was, this looks like a complete calorie buster. Two pieces of Kentucky Fried Chicken on a roll with a piece of cheese, a pathetic piece of lettuce and some barbecue-type sauce. And I kept thinking, how many calories is in that, for goodness sake? Not good for you at all. Not good. Birthday to celebrate today. This is Marge at Lee Barn Stables in George Green. It's her birthday today. So, Marge, if somebody bumps into her, just go, Marge, it's your birthday today. Uh, lots of love to you from Diane and Ben. OK, so Marge at Lee Barn Stables in George Green. Have a very happy birthday. Lots of love from Diane and Ben and everybody who knows her as well. 18 minutes to uh, seven is the time. They've got lots of pictures in the paper today of the Help for Heroes. Uh, Alicia Dixon 
Robbie Williams, Catherine Jenkins looked lovely as well, and uh, Tom Jones, Prince Harry was there, and uh, Robbie Williams and Gary Barlow back together after 15 years. And they'll be touring later on. And uh, about 60,000 people packed in there, so a lot of money. A lot of money. Uh, Colleen Rooney, in all the papers today, she's going to give her cheating husband a trial second chance. Or this be the fourth chance, because there was the old woman to start with, and now there's the three in a bed, so that's the fourth time. I mean, it makes you wonder how many times you, you forgive someone. Would you do the same? Would you be the, would you be the same sort of person, you know, if, if you found out that your wife or husband was cheating? It tends to be men, doesn't it? Very does it, Do women do it as well? I suppose they must do. And uh, I wonder how forgiving you would be. Is it better the devil you know? Better the devil you don't know? I don't know. Uh, Anne Whittacombe uh, believes she'll be the first person voted off Strictly Come Dancing. Go on, make her wish come true. And uh, she's refused to take part in any risque routines. Darling, I don't think there's any risque routines that you could ever do on television. Plus, she's not going to apply fake tan or wear any revealing outfits. Oh, what a shame. It's the whole idea of it. I've said before, that's what the, the thing is. Like many people, Steve, I hate Mondays. But you had a ray of sunshine. You sound like Rick Stein this morning, says Kitty. <laughs> and Dee says, take care of your throat. <coughs> Excuse me. Is it sore or just husky? Shame you can't take honey. It's very good when your voice goes. Do you know, I don't think I could take honey. I know people have said before, try honey, but I think being diabetic, they send me round the bend. Imagine all that sugar. I'm fascinated by honeys. Martha Carney, who I've known for years, apparently she's got her own hive. How cool is that? And we've got, we've got the Twickenham Beekeepers Society. And uh, it's very nice, but I'm terrified. Bees, I'm all right with. It's wasps at the moment. I can't get on with wasps. Absolutely can't. They obviously sense fear. Or can smell fit something, whatever it is. Wasps and me just don't see eye to eye. So uh, no, it's it's not sore or husky. It's probably just husky. I don't know what it. I don't know where it came from. Whether or not change of temperature. I am a bit prone to. I haven't had my flu jab. Perhaps I need to go and get a flu jab. Geraldine said, "I didn't recognise your voice. Is it you?" Yes. And Alan says, "In Hither Green, we had the Chiltonian Biscuit Factory for our bags of broken biscuits. Then we're going into Woolies and buying broken biscuits." good, wasn't it? Uh, Steve, I know I've texted already, but you're talking about autumn, winter and Christmas. Really cheers me up, says Michael. Isn't it lovely? I think today you should get the tree out and do a rehearsal. You know, get the tree out and just go, right, OK. I mean, I've started. I was sitting in the car the other day and I was dropping Darren off home and uh, I was playing my iPod through the car. What was playing? Christmas carols. And I <laughs> said to him, I'm sorry about the Christmas carols. And he went, it's a bit early, isn't it? I think, not really. I play them all year round. I sing. If I'm going down the motorway, I sing along to Christmas carols. Not normal, is it, really? I mean, I'm, I'm just peculiar. I can't help it. I just like Christmas. And I, I tell people that all the time. Christmas and me just kind of go together. That's why we did get a bit excited the other week when we discovered a Christmas shop that had come up for sale for only just under a million. Sadly, unless you're all going to send in money, I didn't have just under a million. So the Christmas shop goes to somebody else... And I'll live to fight another day, but I'm happy with a bag of bows and anything that sparkles and lights that twinkle, anything like that. Anything that just sort of... I, and I couldn't work it out. I sat in front of the telly the other day thinking, why do I like Christmas? Why does it become such an obsession? And I couldn't put my finger on it. I couldn't put my finger on why I like Christmas so much. I couldn't, I couldn't think of any one thing apart from I just do. Like having the news, isn't it? It comes around sort of regularly each and every year. Or on this programme, about every 15 minutes. 14 to 7. With the headlines, Sam. And have your say this morning from 7. LBC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 10 to 7 is the time. We're a bit throaty, but we're getting there slowly but surely. 
She's in the paper today, Betty Lowe. Why is Betty Lowe in the paper today? Because she is, she holds the honour of being the UK's oldest girl guide at the age of 102. And they've got a picture of her, aged 11. And here she is, 91 years on. She's been a district commissioner and she's received an MBE for charity work. She's never married, but she's got nephews and nieces. Nephew Charles, 76, says, never mind, still going strong. She's stronger than me. Always the way, isn't it? Always the way. So, well done to uh, to her. Um, Goonies, The Wiz, The Glass Slipper and Bad Santa around Christmas. And uh, Steve, as a diabetic who gets sick a lot, homemade ginger and orange tea helps me. It's an idea, isn't it, I suppose? And uh, Alan says, I agree. National Lampoon's Christmas vacation is hilarious. It's the film to put on any time you're in need of a good laugh. Actually, if you want the feel-good movie, I, I said earlier on, it's Mamma Mia. Which is the you know anything that involves mass dancing and singing and hand clapping and everything like that is is really good. Uh, Bernie says try getting some sage leaves and pour boiling water over them. Very effective for throats. Oh, gosh, so I'm not sure I can actually start doing this. It's it's a little bit sort of. I'm trying to work out a minute ago, changing the subject. Why we like Christmas? And I've decided that every Christmas it's got to snow. It's got to snow to make it. Jess and I have agreed that there's nothing nicer than on Christmas Eve, you're sort of all sitting there and you've got a mulled wine, and you go, it's snowing, look, it's snowing. And you look out the window, and there'll be one or two flakes. It's really snowing. So you go and stand outside and go, oh, it stopped. A bit like Nicky Graham on Big Brother. He's like, oh, it stopped. And then you watch it, and then it starts coming down again. And of course, the next morning, when you open the curtains, if you're lucky enough to have curtains, and you look outside, and it's snowed, whoa! When we looked out this window last year when we had the snow that came down really badly, I thought it was fab. Everybody else hated it. I was like, it was amazing. I mean, it came down like rain. And it was, we were knee-deep in it. I mean, it's, it's not great for walking in, but if you're sitting there looking out of your window, it's lovely. Watching people whoosh, battling against the elements. I love it. Can't get enough of it today. Uh, Steve, I'm not working today, but your programme is infectious. I'm wide awake and bushy-tailed. I think that's another programme. We don't do bushy tales on this programme. Home Alone, says Jackie and Lewis in Hornchurch. Actually, I like the Home Alone films. I like the house. Don't you like the house? I'm amazed at how clean the house is, considering how many kids are there, which is very worrying. Oh, by the way, coffee's going to go up in price. I don't know. There's always going to be something, isn't there? Coffee. There's a whiff of bad news, and apparently crop shortages amid rising demands are to blame as a new report warns fresh coffee fans and instant coffee drinkers will be hit. The popular Arabica bean has already risen in price by 35%. And now they're saying in The Grocer, which is the, uh, the magazine for people in the trade, it's going to go up again. Starbucks have said that they're going to absorb the cost. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> don't, don't want to worry about this, do you, really? And uh, Avril says, you will just last out. Off to gargle with TCP. Ugh! Ugh! cannot bear the smell of TCP. We were discussing this during the break, Jess and I, on TCP, and it was the one thing you don't think, phew, don't like TCP at all. But, uh, yeah, the, the smell lingers with TCP. And you can gargle with, oh, no. It's, yeah, no, definitely not. But I'm glad uh, that the Lady Rattlings thing went well yesterday. Well, I hope so, anyway. And, um, Steve says, Andrew in Tottenham. I'm one of your army of podcasters. Actually, it's, it, is, it is practically bigger than an army at the moment, the podcasting and the twittering. This morning is one of the rare occasions I get to listen to you live as I've got to get an early train for a meeting out of London. Dear. I booked tickets for your 7pm December show and hope you'll be better for then. Well, I sincerely hope I'm going to be better by tomorrow. I'm not thinking about being better for the, uh, for the 4th of December. <laughs> I better be. 
Actually, the, the good thing about being ill is you always think, you never, what do they say? Is it starve a cold, feed a fever or something? I can't remember. I don't know. I mean, the other day I thought, I just had a craving for a buttered roll. I had a cra- you know, like when you get a, you get, I've got to have a buttered roll. I've got, and it's got to be a crispy buttered roll. I don't care, I don't want a soft buttered roll. It's got to be a crispy buttered roll. So you go and buy a crispy buttered roll and then, I wish I'd bought two. Because it was so nice, and I thought, what do you have in a crispy buttered roll? And I couldn't think of anything, apart from chips. And I, I thought, no, I don't want to do chips and a butter. And so in the end, I put some chicken in there, some cooked chicken. And it wasn't half as exciting as I thought it was going to be. I was quite disappointed, really. So I don't know what cravings I'm going to get for today. Probably not a lot, actually. <laughs> I probably just... I, th- I thought about soup. They always say soup's very good. But then I, I thought to myself, don't... Because soup gets quite hot. And sometimes you have something hot, burns the back of your throat. So there's no point in doing that. Do you know, I was absolutely right. What did I say on this programme about three months ago? Claire Nazir, the uh, former TV weather girl, was pictured in the papers looking very fat. And uh, she'd had a baby. And so, like most mummies, she puts on loads of weight. And she was pictured in a park, how lucky was that, with a trainer. And I said to you at the time, I bet you anything, I'll put a million quid on it, she's bringing out a fitness DVD. Lo and behold, she is. And not only that, but they've now done pages and pages and pages on her in the Daily Mirror today. They say, what are the options of mums who don't have an army of personal trainers? We find out what's better. Because she had a personal trainer. And that's why people do it. What happens is you get one of these DVD companies and they go to her and they go, right, you've had a baby. Uh, how would you like to make £150,000 by Christmas? And they go, really? Yeah. OK, let's have a picture of you looking really fat. Oh, I don't like that picture. Listen, that's how we're going to sell the DVD, OK? You looking very, very fat. And we can now try and convince mummies that, in fact, um, you've lost all this weight by yourself. No, you haven't. What you've done is you've lost it with the help of a trainer. Unfortunately, 99.9% of you listening at the moment cannot afford a trainer because they're very expensive. They're not cheap, these uh, people. And, and all it is, it's to sell a DVD. And at the end of the day, I've always said, and I have to stand by, I don't think people should buy celebrity DVDs. We've seen all these people before. They all put the weight on again, time and time again. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just occupational hazard. You eat food. It goes on, you know. The only way you get rid of it is a bit of exercise, but try doing it by yourself. Ed says, best Christmas film, Scrooged. Yes. Shop in Germany, which has a shop selling all manner of Christmas goods, says Helga. Michelle says, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Uh, and Brian says, Iris is allergic to wasp stings, and they know if they sting her, she gets an arm like Popeye the Sailor Man. And Maureen says, how can our government pay £2 million for the Pope's visit and then tell us about all the cuts they have to make for the economy? What a nerve. I thought it was £15 million. The Pope's visit is costly. At least he gets Carol Vorderman. I think she's doing it for free. I don't know. Listen, that's it for this morning. Thank you for bearing with me. I shall be 100% better by tomorrow. I shall go home and I, I, actually I'm going to suck my celebrity strepsil at the moment. That'll keep me much better, won't it? So uh, talk to you tomorrow. Don't forget to podcast and uh, read the blog a little bit later. Go to lbc.co.uk. Nick and team with you after the news at 7 o'clock on LBC. First of all, the business update.